All right, I see we have recruited now some new Bible school leaders for Bible school week, now that we know that you know that song. So wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you for coming. Uh, I would ask that you spread the word about what we're going to talk about tonight to uh, some of the younger folks. It's good to see some of our younger uh, parents here. Thank you for coming. And uh, as you know, the last several weeks, we've been talking about some hot topic, hot button issues. And um, tonight we're going to talk about another one. Um, uh, somebody asked me, are you, are you crazy picking out some of these topics? I probably am. Um, I, I don't pick them up because I like to talk about them or because, because they're easy. Um, I talk about them because especially our uh, teenagers and even our children are facing them. And we can't kind of stick our head in the sands and, sand and think that these things are unimportant. And we can't, uh, here's a double negative, I know you're not supposed to do that. You can't not talk about these things because they're, they're important issues. And, um, you know, if, if you want to ask me privately, you can, you can do that. But I will tell you that almost all these issues that we've talked about uh, in some way or another, directly or indirectly... Uh, have affected my life. And if we were all honest, we probably could all say that they have affected each of our lives in some way. Again, directly or maybe indirectly. Some of the issues that we've talked about, uh, from drinking to homosexuality to, uh, i got to look at my list of hot topics, to poverty, to uh, pro-life. So all those things are important. Um, let me say this too, because even... Uh, even this week, somebody has asked, I, I do my best to choose my words wisely, Sunday morning and Sunday night, and to try to be deliberate. But if there's anything ever that you wonder uh, about that I've said, or uh, Pastor Heath, or Joey, or any of the other folks that from time to time, guests that come in and share God's Word, always go see what God's Word says. And if it ever doesn't say what we say, God's word is right and we are wrong, okay? Uh, sometimes I know I get really hyper and high speed and I talk really fast. And sometimes things maybe don't come out exactly the way I heard them in my mind. Anybody else have that issue or is it just me? Okay, good. I thought I was alone there for a second. So I, I have tried to be very deliberate, especially these last several Sunday nights, uh, in making sure what I say is... Uh, exactly uh, comes out exactly right. So um, tonight we are talking about be careful little eyes what you see. And you probably have guessed that uh, that's going to fall under uh, the area of pornography. I, I uh, thought about, and we may do this uh, unless, you <laughs> unless you think I'm crazy. At some point I thought about there's a group called Triple uh, X Church. And if you, uh, if you haven't been to their website, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, and yes, it is xxxchurch.com. That is their website. And what they do is they help Christians primarily, but they help people in general uh, try to break free from the bondage of pornography. And uh, God lays different ministries on different hearts and gives people different callings and challenges the guys who founded that actually go to conventions. There actually are conventions where they sell pornographic things and they hype up those. And these guys go to those places to share the love of Jesus Christ. And it's pretty radical. It's pretty out of the box and pretty crazy. So pray for them. Uh, but they also do something for churches. And uh, it's been on my heart for many, many years. Whether or not we do it or not, we'll see. It may be 10 years from now. Uh, but they do an event for churches around the country called uh, Porn and Pancakes. And it, on a Saturday morning at a church, they will have a gathering and they'll have pancakes and they'll talk about pornography and they'll invite the community. And I will tell you, for some churches in the communities uh, in which they do these events, it is the largest attended event in some of those cities. Because of the issue of pornography. It's not probably because people want pancakes. Although I like pancakes. Nothing against pancakes. Um, so this issue of pornography is a big deal. You, you won't find uh, the word pornography in the Bible. 
case you're wondering, in case somebody says, well, the word pornography is not in there, so it must be okay. There's other verses in there, and we'll talk about some of those tonight. But the word pornography actually didn't even really come into being or come into a term until about the 19th century. Uh, technology uh, didn't exist, of course, during Bible times. And so there was no such thing as the quote-unquote porn uh, industry. And, uh, but that doesn't mean that pornography didn't exist in Bible times. Doesn't mean prostitution didn't exist in Bible times. It didn't mean, doesn't mean that uh, adultery and premarital sex didn't exist in Bible times. All those things existed in Bible times. Um, so I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about uh, number one, what's happening in the world when it comes to pornography, because some of us maybe don't know. Some of us are probably glad we don't know. If I wasn't in ministry, I probably would not know a lot of this, and sometimes I wish I didn't know these things. Um, But these things do exist, so just, again, to kind of set the stage for what our world is experiencing with this issue, I want to share with you just some statistics. And and here's something I'll just say from the ground level, and hopefully I communicated this a few weeks ago. A lot of these hot topic issues are not just issues for people out there. They're issues for people in here. So the issues uh, that are being faced by people who maybe even don't know Jesus or have a close relationship with him are also some of the same issues that those of us who say we know Jesus face. Now, what does that mean? What does that say? I'm not really sure. I think, I think it says that the devil is very cunning. He's very clever. And... As the Bible says, John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I've come to have, give you life and life more abundant, but the enemy's come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the enemy's plan. There are over 40 million uh, Americans, over 40 million Americans, I should say, are regular visitors to porn sites. The average visit lasts 6 minutes and 29 seconds. There are around 42 million, I didn't count these, there are around 42 million porn websites, which totals about 370 million pages of pornography. The porn industry's annual revenue, ready for this, is more than the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB, the Major League Baseball, combined. It is also more than the combined revenues of ABC, CBS, and NBC. Folks, this is a big deal. Forty-seven percent of families in the United States report pornography is a problem in their home. So for us as a church, just to be quiet about it, as we have been for decades, shame on us. Pornography use increases marital infidelity by more than 300%. Again, I'm glad there's some young parents in here because this statistic just blows me away. 11 years of age is the average age age a child is first exposed to pornography. 94% of children see porn by the age of 14. Now let me stop a minute, I'll give you some more statistics. And as you know, I told you, over these weeks I'll be transparent and vulnerable with you. I remember being a part of an organization that when I was growing up, it was much better than it has become. It was not perfect, but it was better than it it is now, called the Boy Scouts of America. I learned a lot of great things in the Boy Scouts. I learned how to tie knots, I learned how to cook. I remember when I was 15, they threw me on the, uh, I think it was the Chattanooga River with a canoe and a backpack and said, we'll see you in seven days. Learned about how to survive. A lot of the drive and ambition and, and things in my life about, okay, I don't know how to do this, but I'll figure it out. I, those kind of things came from Boy Scouts. It was great. But one of the things that I learned about in Boy Scouts was pornography. And I wish there were more teenagers in here, especially guys that are here tonight, so you spread the word, and some of you can speak to this as well as I can. 
but I remember some of the images that I saw. I wish there was an eraser for the brain, but there's no eraser for the brain. And there's things that, in a glimpse, that I saw, how old am I? 40, almost 40 years ago, that the devil will bring to my mind. And it's ironic how, tr- how tricky the devil can be, because I can't even remember sometimes what I had for lunch yesterday. And yet, with great vivid, vivid imagery and clarity and precision, some of those images can come to mind from 40, almost 40 years ago. So is it a big deal? It's a big deal. Really big deal. 56% of American divorcees involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. Now here's where it starts huh, here's where it starts hurting a little bit. As if it's not hurting you and me enough already. Hopefully it's getting at your heart. But listen to some of these things. 70% of Christian student pastors report they had at least one teenager come to them for help in dealing with pornography in the last year. 68% of church-going men and, every 50, and over 50% of pastors view pornography on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults, 18 to 24 years of age, 76% actively search for porn. Let me stop again for just a second. The, these devices, though they can be used for good, are very, very dangerous. Lynette and I, we we had some pretty fair rules, I think, about these devices when our kids were old enough to get one of these. And and to our knowledge, they've done good, and they've even put uh, software on their phones to try to protect them. There is software for phones that will help you and will also help you as a parent know what they're viewing. But if I was a mom or dad now, and I had a young child, six, seven, eight years of age, that I knew was one day going to be walking around with this. The rules that we had when our kids were old enough to start getting these would be much more strict than they were. None of us would allow an 11-year-old to walk in here and hand them a loaded gun. But if you've given them one of these, you basically have done exactly that without any instruction. So be careful. I love technology. Technology saves me a lot of time during the week. Technology enables me to spin many plates. It allows me to do a lot of things. But technology can be very dangerous. And the scary part is, you don't even have to be looking for it. It can just all of a sudden pop up. I've been searching... (laughs) You know how hard it is to, to preach or to teach something about pornography and you're doing searches on pornography trying to get some of these stats for you guys? It was like, oh, it was I mean, stuff's popping up all over the place. So that's obvious. But there's sometimes I'll just type in a passage of Scripture about something, immorality, and all of a sudden all these websites are coming up. So you've got to be careful. 59% of pastors say that married men seek their help for porn use. We used to think, Heath and I were talking about this the other day, we used to think that pornography was primarily something that guys struggled with because you know, most of us in here as adults know that guys, we are, we are attracted first by what we see. Ladies typically are attracted first by what they hear, which is obvious why I have a beautiful wife and she has me. There's proof right there, all right? So we have to be very, very careful, but you'll maybe not know that this is becoming a growing problem even among young ladies. 33% of women aged 25 and under search for porn at least once a month. 87% of Christian women have watched pornography. 55% of married men say they watch at least once a month. And here's the one that, I, I, don't, I don't know what we do here at Crossroads about this. 
Because statistically, we probably have folks in our congregation who have been affected or they are being affected by this issue just because we live in a world where this is rampant. But only 7% of pastors say their church has a program to help people struggling with pornography. Maybe we need one. I don't know. Statistically, we, we probably do. So pornography is a, is a big issue. How do, you, how do you deal with it? Well, I just want to share a few thoughts, some scripture, and then kind of 10 steps that I wrote down. If this is a, a, a challenge for you, and, and let me say this, if it's a challenge for you or for somebody you know, for a child, or that there is nothing to be... Um, I don't know if ashamed is the right word, but when you recognize there's something in your life that's preventing you from being what God intended you to be, the only shame is to continue to wallow in whatever that thing is and not tell someone that you're struggling with it. Because silence is one of the enemy's greatest tools. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I'm thinking of these stories just as I'm sharing with you tonight. So maybe, hopefully this is a God thing. I remember my early 20s, uh, my best friend at the time, and he's still a close friend. Uh, they'll probably come share with our church family at some point uh, because they were dear friends. He, he got married, and, and they're dear friends of Lynette and I. They lost uh, their first child on 9-11. Uh, I remember where I was on 9-11. I was in the hospital at Spartanburg Regional in the waiting room as the Planes hit the towers, and they came out and told us they had lost their baby. Long story there. But I remember much earlier in his life and mine when we were sitting on the beach in Panama City, Florida. He was probably 24, and I was 25, 26. And I remember us talking not just about this issue, but other issues in our life that were preventing us from being what God wanted to be. And we had heard from different people through our discipleship process about how important accountability is. And I, I would say to you tonight that it's, it's very difficult. I might even say it's impossible spiritually to grow without accountability. Matter of fact, it's part of our mission statement here at Crossroads. Part of the way that we measure if we are being what God has intended us to be is in the word roads. And the A in the word roads as part of our mission statement is being, are we accountable to somebody? And most people who find themselves struggling in the issues that we've been talking about the last few weeks, one of the reasons, not the only one, but one of the big reasons, perhaps they find themselves struggling with that issue is because there is no accountability. One of the reasons pastors struggle with different issues is because sometimes they have very little accountability. These guys, Joey and Kayla and Heath, no, and I've asked them to and will continue to because I know enough of my, about my own self and know enough history that I'm not perfect and I make mistakes that I tell them frequently, please hold me accountable, please hold me accountable on everything. Pastors who struggle with different things have sometimes set themselves on a, up on a pedestal to not be accountable. And guess what? So do we as average, quote-unquote, church members. One of the reasons you hear me harp, harp, harp about small groups is not that it's not that I have a hidden agenda or I want to be able to fill out some form and go crossroads has ninety percent of people and that I know the importance of small groups because one person up here preaching or teaching on a stage can't hold one hundred and fifty people accountable. But if I'm in a small group of eight, ten people, and I share on a Sunday morning, hey guys, I'm really struggling here, would you pray for me? At that point, the light is shining on whatever my issue is, and when things come out in the light, that's when they get dealt with. And that's when I'm able to walk in holiness and not in shame or hiding something. So what really is pornography? Let's just start there. Because... If you go to Jesus' definition of pornography, before I throw the rock at anybody who maybe struggles with uh, viewing things online or whatever it might be, Jesus had his own definition of pornography. And if you want to look at it, it's in Matthew chapter 5 where he's teaching. And here's what he says, Matthew chapter 5 verse 27. 
Matthew 5, 27, you've heard it said, Jesus is speaking here, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Wow. So if you're lusting towards a woman, Jesus says you are committing adultery. And we know from one of the Ten Commandments, which we can find in the book of Exodus, one of those is thou shalt not commit adultery. So I I don't want to just throw that verse out. But I do want us to understand that pornography is can be a lot of different things. Now, in our 21st century, we've digitized everything. And the dangerous thing is, you know, when I was reading some of this and researching, and of course I'm... 52, so I, I remember friends talking about this. You know, some of my friends in other cities would get in their car and late at night they'd go down to the corner store after midnight and they'd, they'd have to pick up hard copy stuff of what they wanted to look at. The scary thing is you don't have to do that anymore. The scary thing is, parent, your child in their bedroom late at night while you're asleep, if they've got this device in their room, can be doing who knows what. Got to be careful. So simply defined, intentionally watching pornography is adultery, according to what Jesus is saying here. Let's flip over to Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two. You want to flip over there real quick? Pornography also not only there, there's some obvious things that we would say we just when the issue comes up that prevents us from being who God wants us to be. And all those statistics that I read you, it impacts marriages, it impacts relationships. One, one of the big things that you'll hear from people in our world when it comes to this issue of pornography, by the way, is, well, I'm just doing that, that's just me, it, it doesn't affect anybody else. That's a lie from the enemy. Because it affects you mentally, affects you spiritually, psychologically. We don't have enough time for me to share with you all the stuff that I have accumulated over the years, and especially in the last few months, knowing we were going to be talking about this tonight. But there's a whole... If you even, if you even excluded what the Bible has to say about pornography, there is enough... You don't hear this talked about on mainstream media, but there's enough medical and psychological and physiological reasons not to be involved in pornography that would blow your mind. Not to mention what the Bible has to say. Exclude the Bible for a minute. But there's enough research about how it wires your brain and changes the chemistry of your brain and everything else if that becomes a habit. And pornography really has the capacity to take over a person's life. I was talking to somebody just a few weeks ago who struggled with this issue for a number of years. And... Like many things that sometimes can become addictions, and there are a lot of things that can become addictions in our lives. Media can come up, become an addiction. Facebook can become an addiction. Food, there's many things that can become an addiction. And what I've discovered is many times you need some external force on the outside to break that addiction. Because if you could overcome the addiction yourself, it wouldn't be an addiction. So... Peter says it this way, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. He's talking about false teachers in this chapter and uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and the things that were happening. And then in verse 10 he says, Especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. He says, Daring, self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile Angelic majesties, whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. I'm not sure that's the right verse. Hang on a minute. I may have written that down wrong. I was about to say that doesn't sound right. Maybe it's First Peter. All right, I have to go back and look at that one. I don't think that's the right verse. 
Well, let's flip back just a minute to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. We'll come back to that one. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Some of you know this one. You probably can quote it for us. Whatever you do, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So one of the questions that you can ask if someone comes to you trying to justify things like pornography is just asking the question, can you glorify and enjoy God when you're enjoying pornography? Porn takes away uh, our attention, steals our attention from God. As does every other addiction. We just happen to put the spotlight tonight on pornography, but as I mentioned, all these other traditions. So there's a lot of wise uh, words in Scripture. Not only did Paul say it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, but also in Colossians 3.17, he says the same thing. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. I can assure you it's impossible for you to be feeding your mind with images that belittle people and are pornographic in nature, and to honor God at the same time. So the Bible might not speak directly of how porn addiction can enslave our hearts and separate us from God, but it does speak very strongly about how it affects our calling and our devotion to God because it steals our attention away. And when you and I do something wrong... um, because of the Holy Spirit in our lives, if we, if we do something wrong and we have the Holy Spirit in, in our lives, then even though we may think nobody else knows that I have participated in this, the Holy Spirit knows. And you know. And therefore God knows, because God is the Holy Spirit. And so David cries out in Psalms several times. Psalm 51 is one of those famous psalms where he cries out in repentance, begging God to forgive him for his sin with Bathsheba. And he says, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord my God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. But there's also a psalm, if you want to kind of flip back backwards, we're looking at a lot of scripture verses I'm throwing at you tonight. Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5, kind of stand out for me. Because he addresses here when it was a secret, when he was silent about his sin and what happened as a result. And he was deeply weighed down by the heaviness of his sin. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, whether it's pornography or whether it's cheating or, or, or whatever it might be. I, I remember my mom and I years ago <clears throat> taught me a great lesson about when you sinned immediately to deal with it, we had gone shopping in Spartanburg over on Garner Road, and there used to be a Kmart. I know we don't have Kmarts anymore, but there used to be a really nice place. It was like the Walmart back then, and it was called Kmart. They lost some letters along the way, or added letters along the way, I guess, Kmart. And we went in there, and we bought some stuff, and I remember her walk into the car. She's looking at her receipt. And she's like, wait a minute. And I said, what is it? She goes, there's some things that are, that are in my bag that aren't on this receipt that she didn't charge me for. I think I was probably eight years old. And I remember saying to her, no, don't worry about it. She, she forgot. She didn't ring it up, right? It's her fault. Let's go. Let's go. I was ready to go probably across the street to McDonald's and get my Happy Meal. And I remember her going, no, I have to go back in here and I have to tell this lady that she didn't, she messed up. She didn't. Bring it up right. And I remember walking back in. That's probably where my fear of blue lights happened because the blue light was on at the same time and my mom's going back in there to tell them she was, they didn't do it right. I don't know what happened. We went up, we went to the register and of course the lady was just profusely, thank you, thank you, thank you for letting me know about this. Probably because the money would have come out of her pocket. I remember walking back out to the car the second time and I thought, wow, that's a powerful lesson. And David, in a sense, is reminding us here in this psalm, Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5, how important it is that we're not silent, that we deal with sin immediately. And he says this, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledge my sin to thee, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and thou didst forgive the, the guilt of my sin. 
Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not reach him. It goes on and on. But simply just being reminded that, that when you bring your sins into the light and you confess them before the Lord, the good news is there's forgiveness and there's restoration. Because God loves you and I and he wants to forgive us. So porn sometimes, all the time, porn all the time, steals our time away with God. The other thing about pornography is it doesn't really truly satisfy. You know, there's time, times where I will crave, uh, does it, my stomach doesn't handle it too much anymore, but there's times where I'll, I'll crave ice cream. And I'll eat ice cream and it kind of settles the craving for a while. And one of the reasons I don't try not to eat it too much is because I can't have just one cup of ice cream or one scoop of ice cream. After I have one, for a few minutes later, I'm like, that was so good, I want another one. Because it doesn't really satisfy me. It doesn't satisfy my thirst or my hunger. And pornography is the same way. And I've talked to people who have been enslaved in this issue, and they will tell you that it always takes more, and it always takes more, and it always takes more, and it always takes more. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says it this way, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So Moses knew it would be easier for him and be easier on him to identify himself as a family to Pharaoh and get the lavish lifestyle that would have come along with that, but he also knew that to distinguish himself with the people of God would bring a much better, longer-lasting pleasure. So we have to determine and realize and think long-term. And for most of us, that's easier to do because we're a little bit older. But I will tell you, for our younger folks, the world is selling, you guys who are younger, a bill of goods that you can get what you want now and you can pay for it later. And they want to make you think it's much later. And it may be much later. And I will, again, be transparent enough to tell you that things I've done in my life that have not been great, you might think you get away with it after a year goes by and nothing happens, and maybe two, but I will promise you it may take five years, it may take ten years, it may take twenty years, but eventually it will catch up with you. And God's Word promises you and promises me, and this is a little bit of one of the painful promises of God, that your sin will find you out. You say, why is that the way God operates? Because God loves you and I so much that He wants that sin to come out, not to embarrass you, but for you to recognize your need to confess your sin to Him and ask Him His forgiveness so that your relationship, not your relationship, but your fellowship can be restored. The writer of John, John's little epistle at the end, 1 John 2.15, some of my favorite verses just before Revelation. 1 John chapter 2, he says it this way. Don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he identifies some of those things. For all that's in the world... The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world's passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So if there's anything that can consume the desires of our flesh and the desires of our eyes, it's pornography. And the Bible reminds us that there's things like that that are from the world or not from God. And the other thing I would tell you about pornography, and the most important thing is that if you're struggling or you know someone who is, you can be free from pornography. And I want to give you kind of just real quick ten suggestions that will that will help you to do that. Here's the first one. No biblical truth. We, li- we live in a day and age, and for our young folks who are in here, if you're under 20, uh, we live in a day and age where now more than ever you need truth, and the truth is the Word of God, and you need the Word of God. 
And while you're young, I would encourage you to memorize as much of the Bible as you can because the older you get, the harder it becomes. And when I'm tempted, whether it's with this issue or any other issue, it's amazing. Just like the images that you can't erase sometimes from your brain, and eventually those are become less and less uh, bright in your mind, but the way that they become dimmer in your mind is you renew your mind with the Word of God. So the way that you can overcome this addiction or any addiction is you know biblical truth. And I don't know if you guys knew that song by heart that Joey started us with tonight, but I could have sung the rest of that song if he just started us with the tune. And the reason why is because I sung that song over and over and over again, like many of you in a thing called Vacation Bible School. And God took that, and especially because for me and for most, most of us as humans, when you connect biblical truth to music, You wonder why sometimes worship, worship as far as the music side of worship is so important. It's because God in heaven knows that if you know His Word and you can put it to music, it gets locked into your heart, into your mind much easier because He created you that way. Isn't that interesting? I'm just sitting here thinking about what I'm saying to you. Is The light bulbs are going on. Isn't that interesting? Maybe that's why music is so important. Maybe that's why worship is so important. So you have to know biblical truth. Number two, you have to be willing to humble yourself before God. One of, one of the greatest um, one of the easiest ways I think that Satan can get to you or I is for us to think that we have arrived or we know enough about God and His Word that we have all the source of protection that we need. Now, there's no, there's no new tactic that Satan will use. The same tactics he uses on you today are the same tactics he used on Jesus in the wilderness. It's the same strategy. But the look of it is sometimes different. And so what you and I have to do is we have to be aware that we are in need of God and not all of a sudden think, well, I know all the verses and I know Satan's strategy, so I'm good. And get prideful in thinking that we are the ones that can overcome the enemy. We can overcome the enemy. The blood of Christ, the word of our testimony helps us overcome the enemy. But what helps us daily in our battle in overcoming the enemy is humbling ourselves before God and realizing that He is the one who fights the battles for us. We fight the battles... The third thing that we need to know in order to fight those battles is, is that we have biblical weapons. There it is, right there. When Jesus was tempted, the Bible says and reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I think it's verse 13 or 31, I always get that Jesus was tempted in every way as we were, yet without sin. And we know that when Satan led him into the wilderness, Jesus didn't say, though he could have. It's interesting, his response. He didn't say, well, you're messing with the Son of God. You don't know who I am. You're messing with the Son of God. No. He started quoting Scripture. Started quoting Scripture. So we have to know that there are biblical weapons available. And if you're kind of wondering what those weapons are, at some point, maybe in the Next decade, we will do a study. I know we're getting ready to do, do James next, but we'll, we'll do a study on another one of my uh, favorite books, the book of Ephesians. Because Paul outlines for us in that, in that book some great uh, tools that we have, some biblical weapons that we have. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the full armor of God, that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. In other words, Paul is saying, when you're tempted, whether it's with pornography or drinking or blah, 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 all these sins and things that we've talked about in life, sexuality, all these things, when you're tempted, you have at your disposal a weapon that will win. Now, whether you use it or not is up to you and it's up to me. 
to put on the full armor of God. And he goes through this rest of the chapter talking about what that armor is. He talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness and standing firm, girding your loins with truth all throughout the rest of Ephesians chapter 6. So I encourage you to read it because we have at our disposal the weapons that we need to fight against the enemy. And, and I hope maybe again, we'll, at some point as a church family, we'll study these because if you study all those pieces of the armor that we have, it's pretty awesome. The biggest of which, the only offensive weapon that we have that's a part of that, by the way, is God's Word, the sword. The rest of the armor that He tells us to put on are defensive weapons. But we need to have on the offensive weapon. So, those things, having the full armor of God will help us do... This, number five, which is take every thought captive to Christ. I don't know if this happens to you. I would suspect it does because I'm, no, I'm nothing special. But I could be driving down the road by myself pleasantly just thinking wonderful thoughts. Isn't that a beautiful sunrise? Look at that cloud over there. And then out of nowhere comes this evil thought. Now I have a couple options at that point. I can either say, get thee behind me, Satan... I can quote scripture, I can turn the radio on and find some praise and worship music, or I cannot do all those things and take that thought and let it just take me wherever it wants to take me. But the choice is mine. I've got to be in the habit of taking every thought captive. And if I have on the full armor of God, I'll be able to do that. Just a few more real quick. Number six, I think, is on my list. And I'll I'll email this to you if you want this list. Number six, research additional tools. Especially if you're a parent of a young person or you're a young person. There are a lot of great tools, and I mentioned some of those, that you can use to protect yourselves. I'm not, I used to be, but I'm not naive enough, I wish that, that you could do this, to just say, don't get a phone. Although I'm about to go back to the flip phone. Life would be simpler. Actually, life would maybe be simpler when we had the phone that we were tethered to the wall with a cord. That might be simpler. I don't know. But I'm not naive enough to think we're going back there. We're not going back there. I wish we could, but we're not. So, what do we do? We have to put tools in place that will help us and guard us and protect our kids and our grandkids and find those additional tools. They're out there. Research them. And if you're a parent and you're a uh, child has access to a computer or smartphone. Everything that they look at, everything that they search, you can get an email in your email box every single day with a list of th- things that they're looking at, places they're going, what they're seeing. Oh, Mom, I can't believe you're watching what I'm doing. You're treating me like a kid. Yes, because you're a kid. When you get 18 and you pay your own rent and you pay your own cell phone bill, you can do whatever you want, Maybe. You're the parent. You're the one who's going to stand before God one day and remind them of that, not in, a, not in a sassy way, but it's the truth. Just like when they have kids, they're going to stand before God one day and answer to what they put in the hands of their kids with little to no guidance. And so am I. And sometimes Lynette and I got it right, and sometimes we didn't. Research, find out some tools that will help you. Number seven, find a trustworthy, supportive community. You can check that one off the list because you, and I have that. It's called Crossroads Baptist Church. Number eight, realize overcoming pornography is tough work. If you have or you know someone who is struggling with this issue and it has become a habit or an addiction, I know God is powerful enough and I know friends for whom this has happened when it comes to drinking and drugs and pornography and a host of things where they've come down front and God has totally delivered them and one day they were drinking, you know, 15 six-packs a day and the next day they dropped cold turkey. I know that happens. But that, in my experience, is usually the exception, not the rule. So it's important that you realize it's tough work and it's important that you have that community around you that can, that can help you. Number nine, I think it is, pray. Pray. We talked about praying this morning. Prayer is so important. Uh, it's important in your relationship with 
one another with your relationship with God is also important when it comes to overcoming things in your life that you want out. I have found in my experience, and I'm not the poster child for spirituality, but I found in my experience that the more specific I can be when I pray, the more it seems like God begins to move in that certain area. So let me give you an example. If I'm struggling with whatever, I can just say, as I'm praying, God, would you just help me with my struggles and would you help me with these sins? And God hears and God knows and God will. But I found in my experience it's, it's much, uh, seems to be much more fruitful and effective, just like David did, to say, Lord, I have a struggle with fill in the blank. And if you leave this to me, I'm going to be in tall weeds and I will not make it today. I will not be successful. I will not honor you. If you leave it to me to deal with, be specific. God help me. He will. And we've talked about this. This is the last one, number 10, add fasting to prayer. We talked about that several months ago and the Lord just continues to, um, maybe it's just for me dealing with me about it, but I believe Fasting is a spiritual discipline that maybe has been lost in the modern day church. Fasting doesn't make God respond to your prayer any more passionately. But fasting maybe helps you realize how serious you know the issue is. And maybe helps God realize how serious that you know the issue is. So those are just some Quick top tens for you tonight. Any, we've got about ten minutes left. Any thoughts or questions before we, before we pray? Yeah, you're right. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, there are, for, if you didn't hear, she was just sharing, there are, there are repercussions for ignoring, and, and that's regardless of the issue. We're talking about pornography tonight, but there's, Whatever it is. David's a prime example. One sin turned into another sin, turned into another sin, turned into another sin. It's a cycle. Leading downward unless you deal with it. So, If you know somebody who's struggling, and given, given the statistics that I gave you at the beginning, maybe you or somebody you know in this church or for sure some people in this community what what do we do what do we as a church do how do we how do we help people with that maybe in 2021 some of these issues that we're talking about are the very issues that people need uh I'll give you a old time fundamental charismatic word deliverance from and yet we know who can deliver us from those things. The power of Jesus can deliver us. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you have an incredible life for us, for those of us who know you. A life full of joy and abundance. And we can so easily get weighed down by the things of the world. And maybe, Lord, it is because, at least in my limited experience, it's because the devil is so, so good, so clever at describing uh, and changing the way things look. And it doesn't have to be whether we're men or women. The reality is a lot of us make decisions based on appearances. It's just we're wired that way to some degree. We choose the neighborhood we live in because to some degree the way it looks, the place where we maybe eat, the car that we drive. And yet, Lord, just uh, as I'm thinking through decisions in my own life, there are so many times where things looked a certain way. I think about the passage in Genesis where you remind us that Abraham and Lot, their families had grown so big and Abram said to Lot, you decide which way you're going to go, you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left because the land could not uh, enable their families to survive. And it says in Genesis that Lot chose 
because things looked like the land of milk and honey. Lord, we know that Satan is a wonderful counterfeiter. And yet we know that you are the truth. Would you help us? Would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, would you help us to be able to distinguish and discern the real thing versus the counterfeit thing? I pray for the young people that are in this room tonight. I thank you, God, so much for them. I thank you that they are the church of today. We are so in need of young people who are walking in your truth. I pray that you would protect them from the lies of the enemy and the counterfeit things that are in our world. Help them. Give them discernment. Give them wisdom. Give us as parents and grandparents wisdom and discernment. And Lord, when we encounter people who, who fall to some of these things, and maybe we will fall to some of these things ourselves, would you send people to us that love us, that care enough about us not to allow us to wallow in the addiction that we're in, but care enough to say, can I show you the way out? And I pray, Lord, for our church family, if there's anyone here in this room or in our congregation that is struggling with these things, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be the godly support that they need for answers and for deliverance, God. Thank you for your word. Lord, we know that to change our mindset, regardless of whatever the addiction, whatever the sin is, whatever the topic that we're talking about, we know that we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You remind us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But to do that, you tell us also, Lord, to present ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice to you. So, Lord, we do that tonight afresh and anew. I do that tonight afresh and anew. Would you use us this week? Thank you again for what you're doing in our church family and the way that you're moving. We give you the glory for that. Pray that you would guide us this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Real quick, uh, one announcement. If you haven't got an announcement sheet, please grab one.